strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Raid. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. Get the popcorn ready. It's going to be a show. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! Who says that real headlines, Ron Wolfley, never come out of the combine? (laughs) I mean, come on. You know, it's almost always and only the speculation and the conjecture by design right that comes out of the combine i mean not only this week but every stinking year we get it right the deflection the line the misleading double speak from the nuance and the nonsense to the hogwash and the balderdash you know what not this year not today we got real news that you can sink your teeth into like a Ron Wolfley double pepperoni sandwich. <laughs> you don't as, have one, do you, Bowie? <laughs> as the first signings of the offseason happen to be the GM and the head coach <laughs> through 2027. As we say, welcome into the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Paul Calvisi here, Ron Wolfley there. You know, Bowie, don't 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 make me tell you my combine story because you know, Paul, you know that story. We have no time for that, Paulie. We have Thankfully. no time whatsoever. The very first combine ever, right here in Tempe, Arizona, at ASU, Paul. Don't make me tell that story. It's, I'm glad you got me distracted. And Paulie, where do you begin on the news of the day with Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury getting extensions? How about the fact that it's scooped? Everybody. Who saw it coming? Yeah, a show right. of hands. I mean, come on now, right? I mean, you know, look, did it start when they started 7-0, and 10-2? Were we talking about it back in November? I specifically oh, yeah. remember us having the conversation around Thanksgiving. Like, hey, wait a minute. Um, guess what? You know, the head coach, the defensive coordinator, the GM, these are all guys who seemingly would be in line for a contract extension and obviously that was put on pause and for good reason through December and January but you come up for air you put up the periscope you look around you examine the landscape and you say okay you know what you like the continuity you like the stability uh, you figure that these two work real well together. You heard some of the jokes at each other's expense at the Combine yesterday where Cliff Kingsbury is able to joke, you know what, any tough questions, direct them to Steve Kime. He's going to speak at three. And then Kime's saying if there's any you know, smoke when it comes to dollars and cents, Cliff doesn't want any of that smoke. So there's a good working relationship there when you really dive deep into it. No, you're right about that, Paulie. Honestly, uh, listen, Steve Kime to me was not a surprise. It was not a surprise to me. Um, I totally think he should have gotten a contract extension uh, based on the fact that he's built two different two different playoff teams in his nine seasons um you know what two different franchise quarterbacks yeah. he's actually done that with Paulie he did it with Carson of course and he's done it with Kyler uh listen uh, Steve Kine would be the first one to tell you that he needs to draft better there's no doubt about it but Paulie 
in the year 2022 in the NFL, you don't build a team just on the draft. You don't no. do it anymore. As a matter of fact, you build you build that you build around the draft. And yes, it still is the nucleus, in my opinion, of any organization. But right now, things are changing. And if you don't believe me, just look at the LA Rams. Hey, no one, and I mean no GM, has had a worse recent draft history than the guy in Seattle who recently got a big time contract extension in John Schneider. John Schneider. Go, ex- go examine the last eight years' worth of his draft picks. So, And, and you're right. Then there's other ways to go about it. Uh, you look at the trade history, is Steve Kime, what he's been able to accomplish. So I, I agree with you on that Paulie, front. Is, you know, is there room for improvement come yes. you know, April draft? Absolutely. But it goes beyond that, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I mean, once again, a GM's job in the year 2022 of our Lord in the NFL is to build the best roster that he can. And so much of the time, Paulie, as you well know, it's a year-to-year proposition in the NFL. It is a year-to-year proposition. We've seen teams, how many teams go from worst to first and first to worst? We've seen it over and over and over again. Now listen, trades are a big part of what you do. And you stop and think about this as a general manager. Did he... Did he win the Carson Palmer trade? Oh my goodness. It's, For a seventh round pick. You gotta be kidding. Did he win the Chandler Jones trade? Yes. Dang. Did he win the DeAndre Hopkins trade? Did he win the Rodney Hudson trade? Oh, I mean, the, the, we're talking about all pro players here. We're talking about great players. It, it's it's gotta be factored into the equation. And when it comes to the head coach, let me just say this. There's a guy in L.A. who's doing a real good job of leveraging the Amazon TV analyst job against Stan Kroenke. And if Sean McVay is about to go ahead and sign on the line that is dotted for some Mondo Mega head coaching deal that might just reset the head coaching salary structure, that might explain why you want to get ahead of that. That get Cliff Kingsbury paid in today's dollars versus what might be coming down the pike with a Sean McVay. So there are other factors at stake here. We mentioned how, you know what, uh, the first signings of the offseason happened to be the head coach and the GM, and there's a reason why. Because you don't have to work them under the salary cap like you would a franchise yeah. quarterback. That is so difficult and so nuanced and takes so much time that it, I, you know, it's just much easier to do that. And that's just up to the discretion of ownership. Because that's simply, that is not subject to any sort of salary cap restrictions, obviously. No, you're right about that, Paulie. And I, honestly, right now, I will tell you, I, I was surprised that Cliff got the extension. I, I was surprised that he got it this year. Um, I will admit that. I, I thought he was going into a prove-it mode in 2022. But I will tell you this right now, Cliff Kingsbury really showed me an awful lot. And he has been the coach that has developed Kyler Murray. This is how it works. You're the coach. You've got a quarterback. Kyler Murray came in. Year one, he won Offensive Rookie of the Year. And then two and three, he is a Pro Bowl player. Kyler Murray has gotten better every year on and off the field. Now, does he still have room for improvement? Yes, he does. He's got to get better. And this is what I want to see him embrace going forward. I want to see him embrace the idea that he's got to do better and get better on and off the field. But if you look at him, Cliff Kingsbury was the guy that developed Kyler Murray and brought him along from year one 
to where he is in year three right now. Is it perfect? No, it's not, Paul. Again, is there a lot of room for growth? Yes. But right now, the interesting thing is the Arizona Cardinals handed Cliff Kingsbury the one thing he needed, and that is a metaphorical battle axe, Paul. Because now, all of a sudden, he's not going anywhere. And I think that is exactly the next step for Cliff Kingsbury. It's my own opinion, Paul. It's my own take. But, man, he's got to take that next step and become the alpha in the room. And he just did. And in a few minutes, we're going to talk to Darren Urban, azcardinals.com, Cardinals Insider, out at the Combine. And, and I'm going to ask him that question. What does long-term security like that do for a head coach in the locker room? We'll, we'll get into some of that. We'll hit rewind to three years ago. Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, were they a package deal? Yes. Say yes. I did, didn't I, Okay. Paul? So there you go. To me, if you're trying to consider whether Kyler Murray is your future quarterback, then I think this is a real tell. This is obviously foreshadowing. I think ownership views them as a package deal. We'll see whether that is something that is decided this offseason, next offseason. Does it go into a fifth year like a Lamar Jackson? We'll see how that plays out. We know this much, that Steve Keim, uh, now that his deal is done, has to start working on other deals, starting with his own free agent class of 20-plus guys. And here he was at the Combine just talking about some of the decisions that loom in the very near future. I think that we have a lot of tough decisions to make, and that's a good thing when you're in my position because we had 21 unrestricted free agents on our roster last year. So we have some really tough decisions to make moving forward. We'll have conversations this week with a number of their representatives. But again, a lot of guys that came in and, um, in my opinion, have put themselves in a position to be rewarded. And we'll see what he has in mind in free agency this year. Think yes. You named some of those trades that were executed right over the right. past few years. Think about, oh, I don't know, like a, a James Conner who was signed off the street. <laughs> Do you think a- that was one of the names he didn't want to name, Polly? I mean, I mean, James Conner? I mean, think about getting him for under $2 million. Think about that. 18 total touchdowns and a Pro Bowl appearance for James Conner. Yeah, no doubt about it, Paulie. I think when you you think of some of the free agents that are out there, and we've talked about this many, many times, but guess what, Paulie? It looms right now. Is it not March 2nd, Paul? It is March 2nd, and now all of a sudden, here it comes. March 14th, Paul. The the legal tampering period where you can pick up the phone and call some of these guys and start talking to them and offering contracts. It, it is looming right now. James Conner changed the fabric of this team on the field and off the field. I'm just wondering what it's going to take to get him signed. What is it going to take? Because it only takes one team out there, Paul, with a lot of cap space. That it looks at that tape last year. Looks at 6'1", 232 pounds, catching the ball with one hand, coming out of the backfield, and trucking people. It takes one session of sitting down and watching that tape where one general manager goes, man, I'll tell you what, no, I need that guy. And I get it. All right. They didn't get return on investment with David Johnson. And they decided not to go ahead and go long-term in on Kenyon Drake. But James Conner is a different dude. He was the beating heart of that offense for most of this past season. Was he not, Ron Wolfie? Him and his brand of bully ball is exactly what the Cardinals needed, especially in the NFC West. No doubt about it, Paulie. And I, I... 
Again, I think that's going to happen. We'll see. Yeah. Hey, join the Arizona Cardinals season ticket priority list for the 2022 season. Opponents include the traditional NFC West foes, plus the Bucks, the Saints, the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Patriots, the Eagles, a loaded home schedule, azcardinals.com slash priority list for more info. As advertised, we are going to the Combine. Darren Urban, oh man, I think he's had a busy couple of days. We'll get the latest from the Cardinals Insider and azcardinals.com as we continue with a Combine edition of the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. I think all of our long-term goal here is to have Kyler be our, our quarterback, and he understands that, and he understands my um, view of him and, and how I feel about him. And once again, I'm going to refer it back to the business side of things, and that's not something that I, I deal with. But um, it's all part of the business right now and, and things that we're continuing to work through. In regards to the statement, I know everybody's seen that. I think it's an agent doing his job. I have a lot of respect for Eric Burkhardt. Obviously, Kyler Murray, from my standpoint, any negotiations, any conversations and dialogue will be certainly held confidential between uh, the three of us. They knew that was taken personal. It didn't show up at the podium yesterday, at least in front of the media. That was yesterday at the Combine. Steve Kime, the GM, Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach, talking about the quarterback when asked about Kyla Murray and the long-term status. Ron Wolfley here on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Here's the stat. Over the last decade, quarterbacks picked in round one to sign a long-term deal before their fourth season. There's a half dozen of them. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, and then Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Ryan Tannehill. I'd say those teams are batting 50-50 when it comes to those mega deals for those quarterbacks. So now the question becomes, all right, what is next, if anything, this offseason for Kyler Murray? But guess what? Uh, First, it was the head coach and the GM, and that was the first question we posed to our insider at the Combine, Darren Urban. We caught up with Darren Urban via Zoom about an hour ago. All right, so Darren, you know because you were there at the Combine yesterday, Cliff Kingsbury meeting the media. Among other things, he said that The Cardinals' long-term goal is to have Kyla Murray be the quarterback. What we didn't realize was that the long-term answer came for the head coach himself and the general manager, Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime. Your reaction? Well, I mean, I was was a little surprised, Paul, and and I'm going to say that uh, in part because it it felt a little misdirection because all we've been talking about for two weeks or longer is is Kyla Murray's situation – whatever part of the offseason Kyler Murray situation that we've been talking about. And obviously most recently uh, his potential contract extension. So I wasn't even thinking about that, which in hindsight probably was a mistake from the standpoint of you got two uh, guys in Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury who had been going into their final year of their contract. And it's tough if you're a coach or you're a GM being a, a lame duck quite frankly. Uh, so uh, maybe we should have been giving more thought to that going into it. But uh, from that standpoint and from stability standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. And you know what? In hindsight, if you go back to the combine 2015 coming off the 2014 campaign an 11 win season, what happened? Both Steve Kime and Bruce Arians got contract extensions seemingly out of the blue. So there is precedent. And we do know that the Cardinals value continuity and stability. 
We know that Kime and Kingsbury work well together. This certainly isn't a Trent Balky, Jim Harbaugh situation, right? I mean, I think all those things make sense, Paul. And, you know, I, again, uh, managing this situation for, for Michael Bidwell, who's the owner, who's making the decisions on these things. I mean, look, this team won 11 games this past season. And the reality is, I think in some ways, that if, if the, the playoff game goes a little bit differently, if everything else stays the same and the playoff game goes a little bit differently, even if the Cardinals don't find themselves on the winning side, uh, maybe maybe a lot of the conversation is is different around this team over these last two months or so. But, um, you know, they won 11 games. You could argue that Steve Kime, if you go over the history of this team, <clears throat> you, could, you could say that Steve Kime is arguably the most effective GM that this organization's ever had, given some of the successes. And I know... For some fans, it's not as much success as they would want, but uh, it doesn't mean that he has not had some success here. Do you think, and we're on board with Darren Urban, Cardinals Insider, azcardinals.com, coming to us from the Combine. Uh, Do you think that the contract extension gives Cliff Kingsbury something that basically no one else in the locker room has, and that is long-term security through 2027, that He can look at anyone in that locker room and say, you know what? I'm the future. If you want to be part of the future, guess what? Uh, I'm firmly in charge. I'm no longer a head coach going into the last year of his contract. Does that make a difference, you think? I I mean, I think it does. And and like I just mentioned, I mean, if it's the flip side and you have a lame duck situation and it doesn't matter what sport you'd be coaching or anything, I mean, those, you know, issues can come up with that. I mean, just even players going into the last year of their contract, it it brings with it an extra narrative that is real and you can't argue it. And you're right. Now Cliff Kingsbury has that security to be in the locker room. And when he's talking to players and he's talking to, and trying to make his points, that is a, a pretty hefty, uh, powerful statement behind him. So yeah, I, I agree. That's something, I mean, obviously look, you don't know what all is going to happen. Uh, they're signed through 2027. You don't know necessarily uh, that means they'll be here through 2027 because things happen in the league all the time. But I, I do think they are, both of them are coming from a position of strength. Now, whenever they're, they're talking about the direction of this team, because Michael Bidwell has given them that power. And you're right. It does eliminate any speculation in the offseason and sort of any sort of potential distraction, right? And questions from the media. Do you think the Kime and Cliff extensions make it any more likely that Kyler gets a new deal this offseason? That I that I don't know. It's it's hard to it's hard to know where that is right now because I think so many things go into the Kyler Murray contract situation. I mean Look, he made it clear through his agent that he wants that contract ex- contract extension now, and I completely understand where Kyler and his and his people are coming from in terms of some of the things he's accomplished on the field, uh, kind of where he stands in terms of how he's helped this team be better the last three seasons, and also where some of the other quarterback extensions have come and the timing of those. Um, I also completely understand where the Cardinals might stand on this, where um, you are going to want to do your full due diligence and 
take your time when you're talking about a contract of this magnitude. So um, I get both sides. I understand the emotions that can be involved in this. Uh, I, I could understand being emotional if I was had the potential to make millions of dollars. Um, heck, I get emotional when I think about potentially asking for a small raise. So, um, you know, I, I get where everybody's coming from in this. And it's, let's face it, Paul, it's par for the course in some ways. I mean, I think this happens a lot in professional sports when you're talking about this. Uh, Kyler Murray and looking for this contract extension and having it be a story. He is not the first quarterback slash NFL player slash professional athlete where this is going to be a story, and he's certainly not going to be the last. And look, it might be a matter of known versus unknown. Uh, you know, if you feel like, okay, Steve Kime is a known. Cliff Kingsbury now, after three seasons, is a known. What is Kyler Murray at age 24? Is he the two-time Pro Bowl quarterback, or is he the quarterback who faded down the stretch the last two years? You flip on his highlights in azcardinals.com, his top 10 plays, and you realize, oh, my gosh, that's a skill set that nobody possesses in the NFL. So you can go back and forth. And then ultimately, if they do extend him this offseason, guess what? The cap is going up. It's going up the next couple of years, big time. And so it might be prudent to pay your quarterback now in today's quarterback dollars because 35 to 40 million a year might be a bargain a couple of years from now. So I could see it go either way. It's funny you bring that up. Michael Bidwell mentioned this. Uh, on Arizona sports last week where he talked about how contracts like that are complicated. He didn't get into a lot of detail of why, but I I think some of the things that you bring up are good examples. It's, it's not just, it's not just what are the incentives and are, is all the legalese in place and, uh, or even having the cash flow for a big bonus up front. It's not just those things. It's, it's also, all the things you just mentioned, which in terms of like, where does it fit in the hierarchy of other quarterbacks? Uh, You know, what timing fits well for the team? What timing fits well for the cap? Where are we with some of these other free agents? That's what makes all this stuff so complicated. Um, And so I, I understand, I, again, I understand where both sides are coming from and I understand why it's a heavy lift uh, no matter what you decide to do. And like we've talked about, the head coach and the GM don't have to fit under the salary cap. You don't have to worry about all those details, right? So that's why it's infinitely more difficult when you have a franchise quarterback and you're getting a long-term deal done. It has to fit within the cap and be cap-friendly to some degree going years into the future. All right, as far as the combine goes, and Darren Urban covering the combine for, what, 20-plus years now, do you get a sense as to what position groups the Cardinals might be targeting more than others? Did you get a sense that for all the misdirection that is that is right. run by the people talking about where they're going to go in the draft, what do you think that where the Cardinals are angling this year? You know, I, I think I think it ha- would have to be more, Paul, less of, of, you know, it would be more reading the tea leaves, I think, ultimately. I mean, we don't know what they're going to do in free agency. We don't know how this roster might stack up by the time the draft arrives in late April. Um, I, I mean, I think if Chandler Jones doesn't come back, I think edge rusher has to be something that you have to look very careful at. If they, if they lose both AJ green and uh, Christian Kirk and free agency, I think a big young receiver might be something they have to think very carefully about. I think an interior offensive lineman makes a lot of sense. I mean, 
I, I don't think you necessarily uh, – I'm glad I'm in Indianapolis. There's been a lot of news here. I don't think you necessarily have to be here to kind of see that might be the case. And, and again, taking what they do in free agency and then adding that to the equation. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, it's a deep class, supposedly a receiver. I could see them using the round two pick on a receiver, especially when you consider the likes of Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams and Debo Samuel have all been found outside round one. I could see him going edge rusher. I could see him going cornerback, you know, with that first pick. Cornerback's so, a good possibility. You know, but they do have a finite number of interviews, right? So they have to choose carefully, correct? Well, on the interviews, yes. But you've still got Zooms. You've got individual uh, workouts just because you don't talk to uh, one, one of those, make one of those players, the 45 you talk to here formally, it doesn't mean you don't have a chance to talk to these people. Okay. So finally, have you asked Kenny Pickett about his hand size? Cause apparently this is a thing at the combine this year. Kenny Pickett hand size. Have you asked him yourself? Uh, unfortunately, Paul, Kenny Pickett, uh, when he talked to the media was right in the middle of the Cl- uh, Cliff Kingsbury, Steve Kime <laughs> announcement. So I was right. otherwise busy. <laughs> All right. Well, think of what you witnessed over the years in the evolution of the combine, because it's going to start up tomorrow night in prime time. There's going to be music. There's going to be production. I mean, it is a full-fledged theatrical show, Darren Urban. Uh, A far cry from when you first uh, started covering it more than two decades ago. (laughs) Very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the insight and the analysis all the way from Indianapolis. We continue with the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Gun snap, Lawrence, three-step drop, open in the pocket, fires across the middle, it's intercepted, it was deflected and picked off by Byron Murphy. Lawrence takes, turns, gives to Hyde, it's a flea flicker, pitching it back to Lawrence, he's in trouble, jump ball pass, picked off near side by Murphy at the 30, running it back to the left of the 20-10-5, touchdown, Byron Murphy after a horrible mistake by the rookie with a pick six, and the Cardinals are back in front. 23 to 19. Byron Murphy was all over that. That's a great read by a young guy coming of age. No doubt. Great call. Passion Wolf there. Great plays by Byron Murphy at Jacksonville week three. Remember the pick six came after the kick six to end the first half. Cardinals trailed in Jayville, and then boom came back and secured the win byron murphy obviously a big part of that it is the big red rage presented by santan ford and gilbert we are santan ford paul calvisi ron wolfley and wolf can i just say that an underrated aspect of the cardinals fade down the stretch last year was losing number three corner robert alford yeah to me, losing Robert Alford just threw that secondary and that cornerback group into disarray. And it started with that Week 14 loss on Monday night against the Rams where they gave up three catches of 40 or more yards, and that was as many 40-plus yard catches as they had given up all season combined. Yeah. Polly, that really is um, – that was something about the first, I want to say, 12 weeks of the season, somewhere around there, approximately 12 weeks of the season – um, the corner room had played so exceptionally well. If yep. you remember that, Paulie, you go back and you look at the tape. Marco Wilson, this fourth-round pick out of Florida, this rookie out there on the field, was playing very, very well. And 
Byron Murphy, of course, was playing well. And you're right, Robert Alford was was holding it up out there and showing why I was so high on him the first time they went out and grabbed him. Now, that was three years ago, but I was so high on Robert Alford, and he finally showed the dog that he is out on the field, got the opportunity to go out and ball out and did a great job, and then he eventually got hurt. But, you know, Marco Wilson, too, Paulie, I think he hit a wall. I yep. do. We, we talk about this all the time. I think the rookie wall is real for some guys. Not everybody, but for some guys, I think the rookie, uh, the rookie wall is real, and I think it was real for Marco Wilson. Yeah, he lost Robert Alford. He lost Marco Wilson to a certain degree because that that rookie yes. wall. Although he was close on a lot of plays and just, yeah. and, and as Christian Kirk told us uh, on this very show, it wasn't like Marco Wilson got roasted. It's not like he got right. absolutely embarrassed and schooled out there, but but, you know, they'll go at the rookie until he proves he can handle it. And, and the Rams, Rams made the Cardinals pay not only on Monday night, but in the playoff game against Marco Wilson as well. And for that reason, Cliff Kingsbury at the Combine yesterday was talking about that position group. I think we all feel we need to add some pieces there. Uh, Marco, as a rookie, I, I thought got better and, and uh, did a nice job. But um, Byron is a guy we like to move around, play inside, play outside. And so you'd like to find a couple more pieces that, that you feel good about going into the next year. I mean, Ron Wolfley, if you're sitting there at number 23 in late April, round one of the draft, and you have a legit number one corner on the board, uh, do you hesitate at all to take that position? Uh, no, Paul. <laughs> you know what? Honestly, this is what this is what I think they ought to do, Paulie. Yeah, I do believe that you should look at position when you draft. You should. You, you should have um, needs when you look at it. Now, again, that doesn't mean just because your need is there that you're going to take one player over somebody else. You do want to take the best player available, but, Polly, the Arizona Cardinals are in a situation right, right now where they can look at corner. I think they can look at interior offensive line, in particular a guard. I think they can look at wide receiver, Paul. Yep. I think they could take those three positions and say, whoever is the highest rated player on our board at those three positions, when number 23 comes rolling around, let's take them. And you heard our conversation with Darren Urban. If the Cardinals lose Chandler Jones and that edge rusher is there, uh, you know. Yes, yes, Paulie, yes. You don't want to become the Atlanta Falcons who had 18 sacks as a team last year tj watt had more sacks than you had as a team so you don't you don't want to become that right so there's a need obviously and why is that though Polly? once again why is that so important that you can actually get pressure on an opposing quarterback well think of how much better that does make your secondary and your corners look right so you better have a bunch of lockdown shutdown guys if you can't rush the passer Here's the other thing. The Arizona Cardinals in 2022 really need the 2021 draft class to take that next step. Starting with Zayvon Collins. Zayvon Collins, 16 overall. He's a guy who needs to come in and needs to be a big part of that big red D. And, in fact, Cliff Kingsbury was asked about last year's first-round rookie. We see him as an inside backer as of now, and, and we, we do feel like there's there's enough snaps. So we we got to do some things differently uh, defensively, we think schematically, to make sure we're maximizing those two guys, and that will be a big part of our offseason. How big a question mark is Zayvon Collins still in your mind? It's a question mark, Paulie, only because he hasn't done it right now, but I will 
will tell you I love what I see from this guy. I think he is going to explode. And I, the reason why I say that is think how much better Isaiah Simmons was in year two from year one. Oh, yeah. Oh, Paulie, I mean, oh, yeah. think no how doubt. much better he would. Now, listen, I would have loved to have seen Isaiah Simmons finish over the last four or five games of the season a lot better than what he did. I, I He want to talk about a young guy developing that may have hit a wall. That guy may have hit a wall. But I am bullish on him because he is a football player. You watch him on tape. You watch him play. He's not afraid, Paul. This is the reason why I'm jacked up about Zayvon Collins because I think he's going to get a lot better with an offseason where he can actually hang out, he can actually absorb the defense, he's going to have all sorts of time to learn the defense again and learn all the checks out there so he can go out with confidence, go out and play, not only do his job, but tell everyone else what to do. He's a bright kid, Paul. He's a really smart kid, and he's a great athlete. And now, now here's the best part. Zayvon Collins is not afraid. (laughs) He will stick his face into the fan, and that's what I wanted to see. All right, so he was the round one pick. Round two was Rondell Moore. Uh, We spoke with Sean Jefferson here on a recent edition of the Big Red Rage, the Cardinals wide receivers coach, and the plans they have for Rondell Moore to move him outside and get him more targets downfield. We we know about that. And that that receiver room is in a state of flux with free agents like Christian Kirk and and A.J. Green if they get that far into the middle of March here. And, And after they lost DeAndre Hopkins, obviously that was maybe the biggest factor down the stretch. In fact, that's not us. That's Cliff Kingsbury yesterday talking about the loss of D-Hop. You know, after doing some reflection, the biggest thing was when we lost Hop, I, I didn't do a good job schematically adjusting some things that, that could have taken some pressure um, off of Kyler, I think. Uh, you lose a piece like that, you, you got to find a way to be more creative, I think, and, and uh, i got to be better at that. But I, I think we've, we've improved each year offensively. Obviously, didn't like the way we finished, but we got to continue to be creative and then try to put Kyler in positions to be successful and surround him with uh, talent that, that can make plays. What do you think he means by that, Paulie? What do you think he means right there when he says schematically, I got to do a better job? What do you, what, honestly, I'm asking you, do you think, what do you think that exactly entails, Paulie? Well, we talked about this with Sean McVay. What did they do? They lost Robert Woods, who isn't a DeAndre Hopkins, but was vital to their scheme. They ran so many four wide receiver sets. Yes. They led the league in that category. And once they didn't have the personnel, once they didn't have the talent, they went three games in a row and lost. They had a three-game skid, and he figured, you know what? I got to put this offense on blocks. I got to rebuild the engine. We got to go back to a different scheme. So I presume. That, what was that, Paulie? What they, was that scheme they went back to? It was a. It was more of a balanced <laughs> rushing attack, running between the tackles like they did back in the day Basically with Gurley, with Jared Goff. Yes, yes, and that I'm. I'm wondering, Paul. I'm wondering because I wonder if that's what Cliff means. I wonder if that's what he's thinking about. I need to do a better job at that. Now, once again, you got to have a quarterback who wants to get under center, wants to get under there and run a more, a more balanced offense. In my opinion. Just very curious because of the the relationship, of course, that Cliff Kingsbury has with Sean McVay and what the Rams did. To your point, and you know what, if that's if that's the way you're translating that and that's accurate, then I would say James Conner is priority number one. 
Yes. Because you're going to need that big back who I'm can stoke you. it between the tackles. Now, Darren and I hashed this out on Cardinals Underground, the podcast. You know, I'm more apt to go after a free agent wide receiver than I am drafting one in round one. The hit rate, especially when we're at number 23, I know it's a deep draft class. I get it, but it's been so unpredictable as whether a first-round, second-round receiver can help you out. And I know there's been a bunch of great second-round receivers who are among the best in the game right now. You know, Cooper Cup was round three, but a Devontae Adams, you know, I mean, you think of some of these guys who came outside round one. But to spend some money on a free agent wide receiver, Wolf, that you can plug and play and he can be a legit number two, what would that do for this offense? Yeah, no, I think that'd be a big thing right there, Paulie, honestly. But here's the problem. Once again, you just never know how much money that's going to take. How much money is that going to cost right there at a high-profile position like wide receiver? I I don't know what the answer is on that. I know that you're not getting maybe a one. You already have your one in DeAndre Hopkins, of course, Rondell Moore. You already mentioned that. You hope to see him really improve, really take off. Paulie, if there's one guy, if there was one guy, you got me sidetracked on Rondell Moore, but if there's one guy, Paulie, that I'd love to see take off this year, because of the impact he would have, it's Rondell Moore. Yeah, it is. He, he I, would. You want to talk about a little aid, comfort, and shelter over the top of DeAndre Hopkins, and give him a lot of room to operate. Oh my goodness, it'll be a scary proposition if you're doubling D Hop and you've got Rondell Moore one on one. And I hate to say it, but I think there's going to be a heck of a market for Christian Kirk. I think I'm, you're right. I'm not expecting him to come back. And at the same time, I'm not expecting the Cardinals to have the ability. When you're paying DeAndre Hopkins, his cap number is going to be $25 million this year. Now, whether they do something about that, I'm not exactly sure. You're not going to be able to go out and sign the Chargers' Mike Williams, for example, right? Or, or Allen Robertson, Robinson, you know, maybe a Chris Godwin coming off the ACL. Probably not. Michael Gallup coming off a torn ACL, but what can you get there? How about maybe a Juju Smith-Schuster? Yeah. A Will Fuller? Maybe a Jarvis Landry who had a down year, maybe on his way out. A DJ Shark, six foot four from Jacksonville. Yeah, that could be a kind time special on a one year deal. Tell me when Chris Godwin is ready to go. (laughs) Tell me when that guy's ready to go, okay? Coming off that ACL. All right, we'll tell you where the Cardinals are going to go. Yes, an international game this season next on the Big Red Rage. Look for a shot into the end zone here. Johnson and Lee to the left, Bolden and Fitzgerald to the right. Nine but Ajo back to help protect Josh McCown. Third and one of the 17, McCown back to throw, going to lock. Into the end zone, far side, Fitzgerald goes up, touchdown! Arizona! Larry Fitzgerald with his second of the year! How about it? A young Dave Pash rolling his R's there, international style from Mexico City, about 7,500 feet in the air. The elevation, Estadio Azteca. Ron Wolfley, do you remember that 2005 road trip to Mexico City? Paulie, as a matter of fact, I do remember it. Two things in particular, I think, stand out. Just, just how big the city of Mexico City is. Oh, yeah. Just how big it is. That was number one. And number two was how many times you left the hotel to party, Paul. That was <laughs> that was number two. Those yeah. two things. Yeah, I, I do remember your line, courtesy of Jim Almohandro, who has a much better memory than me, but it was an all-timer when you said Rolando Cantu was so popular in Mexico. It was like Ricky Martin showed up at an all-girls <laughs> school. And, and would you say Rolando Cantu, former Cardinals offensive lineman, is he a large 
huge man, Rolando Cantu? He's as big as the city. Yeah. Uh, we didn't realize how big he really is until we went to Mexico City. And he was more popular than the Cardinals. And he's been doing work behind the scenes ever since. I, oh, mean, yeah. he, I mean, just great work and, and establishing a Cardinal Spanish radio network south of the border. And all that being said, it's official. The Cardinals are going to play again a regular season game in Mexico City this coming season. And, and if you remember this past season, as part of Cardinals Folk Tales, our documentaries, we went back in time and chronicled the Cardinals trip one time in Mexico. What were your thoughts on playing in Mexico, first of all? It was great. It's a great experience to get outside the world and uh and just a world? <laughs> you know how we do it. I thought it was uh one of the biggest moments of my career, believe it or not. I mean 195, 200 games, but the way Stadio Azteca and the Mexican people reacted to that flag, I, I got goosebumps under here. I mean, it was absolutely in fuego. <laughs> We're about to come into the biggest arena in Latin America, and I think Estadio Azteca really brought it that day. A cargo de su coach and jefe, Dennis Green, Y los Cardenales de Arizona. Is this actually happening? An NFL professional game is being played here, one that counts. It actually happened. It definitely counted, and it will always stand as NFL history. An amazing scene. Flashbulbs popping for the first ever National Football League regular season game abroad. That's right. Never before had an NFL regular season game been played outside the United States. This is Cardinals Folk Tales, presented by 72 Soul, where we go in-depth into Cardinals history, all-time anecdotes through the personal recollections and memories of those who lived it. It was in freaking incredible. It was you know, the birth of international football for the NFL. That's our audio trailer, the original Cardinals Folktales so cool. podcast entitled One Time in Mexico. More podcasts available searching Cardinals Folktales wherever you get your podcasts. The whole series for Cardinals Folktales video versions available at youtube.com slash AZ Cardinals. Wolf, you were there. You remember Robert Griffith. We heard his voice. He carried out the uh, Mexican national flag and yes. then the NFL record crowd at the time of 103,000 plus enjoyed that Cardinals win over the Niners. Holly, you know what's incredible about it too? Do you remember when Neil Rackers came out to tee the ball up? Paul? Yes, yes. <laughs> oh my goodness! They were going nuts that they brought the kicker out of the field. They were going to kick this ball off to start the game. That's what I remember. Every time they'd kicked. Neil Rackers would kick off. Whoever the other kicker was would kick off. Oh, my goodness, Paul. They would burst out into this. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about a soccer crowd? Yeah, there was a soccer crowd, but, man, they love football, too. And you know what? Neil Rackers was going nuts because he wanted to shot at a 70-yard <laughs> field goal because it's about the same elevation as Flagstaff, and the ball just rockets through the air yes. in, that, in that thin air, and he never got a chance at an NFL record field goal attempt. But, and I'll uh, also say this quickly about Neil Rackers at the time. After he kicked that ball off, I don't think I've ever seen him run as hard down the field trying to get a pound of flesh, trying to do something to satisfy these these fans. I, I don't know, Paulie, but he was into it. 
Yeah, and uh, and that's saying something because he would cover a kick. There's no doubt about it. Not like Jay Feely now. Let's not get carried away. Jay Feely stick his face into the fan. Yeah. Hey, how about some – as long as we're throwing out some props, how about uh, one of your favorites of all time in that Cardinals locker room? How about the father of our own Jim Omohundro? John Omohundro, Johnny O, just honored at the NFL Hall of Fame. How about that induction as part of the inaugural class of all-time athletic trainers in NFL history? Think about this right now. One of – Five guys, one of five guys, the inaugural class of trainers that are being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Think about that for a minute right there. That fits like a glove yeah. for Johnny O. Yeah, and our, our, our Jimmy O is uh, nursing a shrimp cocktail hangover from St. Sure Elmo's Steakhouse uh, over the last 24 hours. So uh, that was that's great stuff as well. Wolf, by the way, we got to look into the backyard over the block wall into the backyard of our NFC West neighbors. Did you happen to see Seattle today at the Combine? Coach Double Rainbow saying that Russell Wilson isn't going anywhere. Yes, I So did for all the that. reports and the proclamations, and then Jimmy G is Jimmy Jimmy IR again. He got shoulder surgery on his throwing shoulder. So what does that do the Niners and their plans to most likely trade him this offseason? Yeah, Paulie, there are people out there saying, oh, it's not going to hurt his trade value. What? Come on. What? It's his throwing shoulder. He's not going to throw for four months? (laughs) And suddenly, all of a sudden, you're going to say, well, everything's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. He's going to be rehabbing that thing. He's not going to throw for four months, and suddenly you're going to pull a trade-off? I think his value is plummeting even as we speak. Yeah, guess what? Pittsburgh was calling Denver, Indy, Carolina, Washington, Tampa. Uh, They're not calling anymore when he's not going to be able to throw a football until late June, early July. So that is very interesting there as well. All right, special thanks, Darren Urban, for joining us, our Jim Omohundro, Mitch Vereldis, for Ron Wolfley on Paul Calvisi. A combine edition of the Big Red Rage and contract extensions for the head coach and the general manager, all presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Number one, Tyler Murray! You've been listening to the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.